Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Welcome to our latest bite-sized podcast, keeping you up to date with everything happening at the 2020 Austrian Grand Prix. The grid is set for the opening race of the season and it's a Mercedes 1-2, but not in the order we might have been expecting given the results in practice. It's Valtteri Bottas on pole ahead of world champion Lewis Hamilton, but as ever in Formula 1, it wasn't that simple. Joining me to dissect the day's action at the Red Bull Ring is Autosport's F1 reporter and my usual travel companion where things <laughs> going usually is, uh, is Luke Smith. How are you, Luke? Yeah, doing good. Thank you, Alex. Doing good. It's been wonderful this weekend to have on-track action back and really get into the the thick of it. Uh, obviously, practice yesterday was lovely to see everyone back in action, but qualifying is where uh, all of the all of the talking stops, and we finally see some cold hard results as to where uh, the Formula One pecking order is this year. And uh, my, what a session! Yeah, I'm fairly sure there's a much ruder expression that sums that up. I though. was but being per- very PC. Perhaps there, we yeah. won't go there. <laughs> no, no, no. That's all sport after dark. I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as you say, Luke, great to have cars, uh, cars on track. And you know, you know, we now know what the form book is fully, but fully revealed. And I think we'll come, as we come to discuss earlier, it is pretty devastating for Ferrari. But as I was saying, let's start with Mercedes and uh, Valtteri Bottas's pole position. Well, as I said, Lewis Hamilton had dominated practice. He was quickest in FP1, FP2 on Friday, and again Saturday morning. And it looked as if perhaps he was going to go in and claim a pretty dominant pole position, but. Speaking afterwards, Valtteri Bottas said that he'd, he'd worked on finally getting, improving at the corners where he'd been lacking compared to Hamilton. I think uh, Toto Wolff, his team boss, backed that up. And it was sort of, it was mainly in the sort of first sector, the, the tight uphill right-hander at turn three, and then the right-hander again at turn four was where he made the difference. And in fact, when his first run in Q3, he goes on, he breaks the track record, beats Charles Leclerc's part-time from pole position last year. And Hamilton 
not quite there. He's, he's, he's a little bit further behind and we think, okay, it's really shaping up nicely. Let's see what happens on the final run. Bottas improves his personal best in the first sector and suddenly chaos reigns as he just runs ever so slightly you see it, the wheel the left front wheel ever so slightly goes over the edge of the uh, uh, you know of the runoff area and just catches the gravel trap at the exit of turn four and he's suddenly skating through the gravel uh, so obviously that's Bottas's lap ruined behind him Hamilton's coming through and as we'll get to in a moment quite controversially goes quicker in the middle sector and actually in fact does improve his lap overall but it's still not enough to beat Bottas's time which confirms Bottas as the pole sitter as he was spinning his way across the grass as he tried to rejoin the track and um, now Luke as I said, controversial about Lewis Hamilton because he was put under investigation for potentially ignoring yellow flags. So can you talk us through what happened there? He was, yes. Yeah. So Mercedes, as as they fairly do, they always alternate uh, the order in which the drivers go out and they go race by race, giving the driver the choice as to whether they want to go out first or second. Uh, obviously, that's important with the slipstream. Um, Mercedes reckoned it was probably worth somewhere between one and a half and three tenths of a second uh, over a lap in Austria. Obviously, very, very important over such a short uh, lap as well. Uh, Lewis won the toss and it was decided that he would be trailing Bottas for the for the final run uh, and that meant that uh, he was behind Valtteri on, on his lap uh, as you mentioned Valtteri had this spin and obviously that appeared to compromise all the drivers behind uh, but Lewis said that he didn't he didn't see any yellow flags all he saw was a big uh, cloud of dust uh, which obviously was uh, coming from Bottas where he'd gone off uh, went through improved his lap by about one tenth of a second uh, that put him uh, second on the grid uh, not enough to beat Bottas his early benchmark but uh, still good for P2 and then about two hours after qualifying the stewards confirmed that they were going to look into the debate uh, had called Hamilton uh, to discuss the matter and go into what he saw and uh, he explained that he didn't see yellow flags that he saw a green flag on the marshals panel at turn five um saying everything's okay, you can carry on as normal. The stewards looked into this and they confirmed that the video footage confirmed there have been yellow flags and green light panels at the same time and therefore conflicting signals were shown to the driver. So as a result, no action taken. Uh, Lewis kept P2 on the grid. He had uh, one other infringement in Q3 as well. Uh, he was found to have run wide at uh, turn 10 where they've got a timing loop in place for track limits. Uh, Lewis didn't trigger the timing loop but was shown to be off track. Uh, it resulted in his lap time being deleted but because he went fast on the second run anyway it didn't matter so kept PC on the grid and it sets up a pretty fascinating battle at the front tomorrow because Max Verstappen is going to start in third place but he'll be starting on the medium tyres so potentially we've got Lewis Hamilton uh raring to get back at Valtteri Bottas and the two Mercedes fighting for the lead and also you've got to factor in what the Red Bull can do on the conscious strategy so it's shaped up quite nicely in terms of the top three would you say yeah, definitely. I think there was the fear that Mercedes, particularly after what we saw in practice on Friday, would kind of just run away with things and, and that would be that. But to see Max get so close, I think that was good. I think Pole was was out of reach today. But Max said that uh, there were a few balance issues with, with the Red Bull car, that it was meant that the gap to Mercedes was perhaps a bit exaggerated. Uh, he was running a new aero spec on the front of the car as well. But they're still not entirely on top of and sort of waiting to compare it to the old set. Contra strategy, as you said, I mean, that's a, a huge thing. I think at one point in Q2, it looks a bit 50-50 whether his lap time on the mediums would be enough, but he put in an improvement that uh, meant he got through quite comfortably in the end. And uh, yeah, the thing I, I always remember is the last two years in Austria, Verstappen has won this race 
all down strategy. He's gone really long in that first stint, and that's allowed him to have fresher rubber for the rest of the race and push through and make some really good overtakes. So, uh, yeah, I think even though um, he may may not quite have the pace to stick with the Mercedes in the opening stint, I think that the race may come back to him uh, if he makes a, a switch to softs later on. As we saw when, we, when I crunched the numbers yesterday after practice, Mercedes does look to be ahead on all fronts. But, of course, Verstappen had insisted that the reason why he wasn't quick over a single lap yesterday because his front wing was broken so they took a new front ring rather politely off Alex Albon's car and the other in the other Red Bull whacked it on Verstappen's car and, and he did leap up the order uh, Albon it must be said accepts that he's a fairly good team player pretty much uh, Mark Webber decade ago not so much but there we go Red Bull did improve it did do its homework overnight when it comes to a single lap so potentially if it's done that as well with its race pace then it could be it could be there or thereabouts with Mercedes. It's going to be really, really, really interesting to see. Um, but also just to quickly touch on uh, the the Mercedes Red Bull legal shenanigans. Luke, you and I were, despite the fact that we're not at the track, we were nevertheless up rather late last night as the decision came in that DAS is legal. Red Bull's protest failed. So therefore, I was very relieved when the Lewis Hamilton decision came through nice and promptly, which meant we might be able to have a dinner at a sensible time tonight. Hopefully, yeah. I was actually tucked up in bed. Like I'd given up all hope of the stewards coming through a decision. I turned out the lights, and then it pings, and I was like, "Oh!" But um, such is Formula One, and we love to have it back. Obviously, even with all the steward shenanigans. Oh, indeed. It's certainly great to have uh, have that sense of normality. Uh, well, as as I said, Mercedes one and two, Verstappen third, all fairly normal from what we'd expect in terms of the Class A squads uh, in, in in previous seasons. But we'll come in a minute to the one that's missing. But before that. Lando Norris, a sensational fourth place uh, for McLaren. What did you make of that lap, Luke? Oh, it was a brilliant, brilliant bit, bit of work from McLaren. I mean, Lando and McLaren, they've been talking, not talking themselves down, but just saying that as much of a step as they've made forward for this year, racing point with their so-called pink Mercedes, that they just look so far ahead of the field. I think we saw that in uh, in practice. Obviously, Perez was as high as third yesterday in FP2. Um, and then, uh, yeah, all the way through uh, qualifying, all of a sudden McLaren came alive and they were really fighting with the racing points to sort of be best of the midfield. Uh, and then, yeah, in, in Q3, Lando really hooked everything up together and fourth place, his best ever result in F1 qualifying, a, a really tremendous lap. Uh, he, I think back to last year, he made a great start. He was able to get side by side with uh, Kimi and uh, Lewis Hamilton at one point as well on, on the run up the hill. So, yeah, let's see a bit of that tomorrow as well. But yeah, a fine result, really, really doing well. It was indeed, and a good bit of progress for Norris, as we'll come on to discuss at the end of this podcast. Uh, also, George Russell, both of the uh, the young British drivers, rookies from last year, uh, making steps forward, it seems, uh, this weekend. Now, uh, as, as you say, Luke, Lando Norris fourth. Behind him comes Albon in the other Red Bull, and Sergio Perez only sixth in the racing point, which actually, considering how much hype, which we ourselves, I think, have contributed to, you know, surrounding that car. He's actually a bit of a disappointment, I think. But as Perez came out and said, well, we were expecting McLaren to do that. I don't know whether that's just, you know, a bit of bit of defensiveness, you know, like not like aggressive defensiveness, but just naturally deflecting things away from something that's perhaps gone wrong. But yeah, I, I certainly for one was, was surprised to see Perez so far down. What did you make of Racing Point? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they were, they looked so strong yesterday. Um, obviously, FP2, you see the, see the quality sims and uh, obviously your excellent feature crunching the numbers after Friday oh, as well. too kind, Luke, too <laughs> kind. It's, uh, it's sort of made pretty clear that, yeah, they are, they are the third fastest team, like, like as we'll get on to with Ferrari. And it's, uh, so I think it was surprising to see them not be 
on the even as high as the second row of the grid as, as Norris has been able to do. So uh, yeah, I think we were maybe expecting a little bit more from them. Um, obviously, race points sort of talking down a little bit, saying, "Well, yeah, McLaren they, they were strong last year. We always thought they'd be they come back up." But uh, yeah, I think that's definitely maybe sort of dampened a little bit of the hype. But um, I think over the the race tomorrow, I think Perez, uh, particularly if conditions are a bit hot. Obviously, we know how good Perez is with his tyres. I think he could definitely come back into contention. So, uh, yeah, it makes for a really sort of spicy fight at the front of the midfield between uh, McLaren and Racing Point, hopefully. You know, we have seen very good results from, from like, I'm thinking like Daniel Ricciardo, I know in the Renault in Canada last year, that, you know, it is possible for the sort of midfielders to get right in amongst it over a qualifying lap. And the proof will be in the race tomorrow whether Norris can stay there or whether Perez comes through, where that's the difference between it's actually you now on the race pace where Racing Point has the edge and everything. But certainly just from a, a variety point of view, great to see Norris up there and McLaren up there. But it would just be interesting to see the progress the team has made, considering it's still coming up. You know, it was on the up in 2019. Has it made a further step forward in 2020? So definitely encouraging signs for McLaren. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good display for McLaren. And obviously last year was such a sort of building year for them. Um, so to continue that momentum into this season, I think that's... That's really, really important. Uh, I know we keep foreshadowing. We'll talk about Ferrari, but I think with uh, with Carlos Sainz, obviously sets moves to Ferrari for 2021. Uh, there are a few sort of fans on Twitter posting memes and jokes saying, oh, I wonder if Carlos is sort of regressing his decision now. Such was McLaren's uh, sort of pace today. And they're really, really impressive from them. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see, I think, that forward momentum kind of building because I do know that within the team that there were some private fears about racing point um, and just how quick they would be. Uh, even Renault as well. Um, so one the source there said that we might even be as low as seventh this year and that that's sort of really concerning so i think to come out really strongly and show look last year it wasn't a fluke we keep on building from that that was really important definitely well as you say let's come to as we yes, keep promising for ferrari i mean frankly it was pretty woeful i think like they they did say in testing that we're behind Mercedes and Red Bull. And you sort of think, well, okay, yeah, you're the three Class A squads. You're still going to line up fifth and sixth on the grid. But Charles Leclerc, last year's Austrian Grand Prix pole sitter, nearly race winner. For our, in terms of lap time, he's nearly a second slower. It's just under a second slower than he was when he set pole in 2019 at the same track. Ends up seventh. But the, the even bigger, you know, ignominity, the, you know, the even bigger embarrassment for Ferrari is that Sebastian Vettel was knocked out in Q2 and will start 11th. Like, did, did you expect it to be this bad for Ferrari, Luke? No, I don't think anybody did. Um, and the Leclerc, I mean, he only got through Q2 in 10th and he had to ask his engineer, am I safe? And he was like, yeah, you threw in 10th. And Leclerc just replied, that's crazy. Like, it is so... It's it's bizarre just to see such a backward step. Like after all of the all of the work that Ferrari's put in, obviously to develop a new car, and after all of the progress that every other team has made, as is very normal in F1 year on year, and Ferrari have just taken this massive step backwards. It's absolutely baffling. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean Vettel, he admitted after session, he said it was a surprise to be so slow. Uh, he kind of came out with the typical race driver thing of, oh, but we're better in the race, so we'll we'll be okay tomorrow. We'll get some good points or whatever. But the, I mean, the hard truth of it is they are a long, long way back from not just Mercedes and Red Bull, who are the teams that really Ferrari should be fighting. But even compared to yeah, McLaren racing point at one point in Q2. Oh no, sorry, the end of Q2, Ferrari were the sixth fastest team 
Like, that, it's just crazy how far back they've gone. Um, and I think that, obviously, we know that the update package isn't coming to Hungary, so they've, they've got to wait a little bit of time for that. And by then, they'll probably be able to make a step forward and sort of get back towards the top three and that Class A status, as you said. But, yeah, to start off like this, I mean, Ferrari have had some pretty bad seasons sort of over the past decade or so. But to start like this, I mean, it's it's just a disaster. There's no other word for it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, particularly when you see how much success they'd had last year and how close it seemed they were able to run Mercedes on occasion. I think it's just worth pointing out. I think Leclerc rescued a bit of honour with his P7 lap because it means that they they got got ahead of got ahead of the Renault. But and also it's worth noting that yeah, Vettel did look pretty strong on on his longer run on the soft tyres, and also that Ferrari concentrated quite heavily on hard tyre running in practice. So potentially that's something maybe they were aware of. Maybe they thought they were going to be this far down, they'd have to use a wildly different strategy to climb the order. But even if you are good in terms of long runs, if you're starting down the pack, it's they're so hampered. So it's going to be probably more than likely a very difficult race for Ferrari tomorrow now obviously because this is a bite-sized podcast we are racing through topics I hope that's okay uh, for all the listeners uh, so we're going to end with a little bit of a chat about Williams George Russell qualifies 17th Dave Robson head of vehicle dynamics at the team reckons he might just have made it into Q2 which the team didn't do once in 2019 had it things been absolutely perfect and he was so close to doing it um Roman Grosjean just just over a tenth knocked him out and uh, Kevin Magnussen did slot in in between them but yeah so close for George Russell what did you make of his performance Luke? It was brilliant like it's really good to see uh, a semi-competitive Williams once again because last year it was just it's just very difficult to see and ultimately for the team and for the drivers like it's so sapping of their motivation and we saw that with Robert Kubica I mean by the end of the year he just he he really didn't care like he he was very very honest in his assessment of it but George was always like knuckling down getting his head down and really sort of wanting to build for the future and I think we've seen this year like already in testing it was looking more positive like things even just getting a filming day in and turning up to testing on time that's a good start but Russell he's always said like I don't know if we're still going to be in that midfield fight like we're, we're going to be closer definitely but whether it's enough to properly compete I'm not sure but then for today yeah to to do to qualify so well to out qualify both Alfa Romeos um to be so close to the Haas drivers as well it's an absolutely brilliant display and I think that gives real confidence um Nicholas Latifi was a bit further off in last place on the grid but ultimately it's his first F1 qualifying he had an FP3 crash as well so that wouldn't have helped with nerves or anything like that but I think overall Williams can be really really pleased um I think Mercedes will also be pleased as well that their young driver George Russell he's got a, a competitive car this year can probably show what he can do uh yeah it's, it's a positive story like it's just really really cool we want we want competitive drivers we want to see what drivers can really really do and I think that this is the start of what could be a, a really promising year for George Russell absolutely and uh, just, just quickly I think uh, Robson was quite uh, quite pains to stress you know the team isn't getting carried away they don't know where they're going to stand in the race but he's he's hopeful that they can battle with the Hasses and that they can stay ahead of Alfa Romeo with Russell so it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on tomorrow now as well as as I'm on tomorrow Luke I'll leave the final word with you what are you looking forward to most in the race on Sunday I am looking forward to the three driver scrap for victory between Hamilton, Bottas and Verstappen. Um, as you said, temperatures are going to run high. Mercedes, that's been their Achilles heel in Australia over the past couple of years. Um, Toso Wolf said that he was asked today, what about the black livery? I mean, an amazing message it's obviously there for. How does that impact on cooling? Because, uh, And he, he said, I've not really thought of that. So that could, again, be another little factor to throw in. Um, but yeah, I think with the two Merc drivers, Bottas rejuvenated Hungary, I think in 
great condition, evidenced by pole position today. Hamilton, you just you can never ever rule him out. Uh, and then Verstappen, two-time winner here in Austria, fighting back uh, with that uh, alternate strategy as well. I think the three of them, it's going to be a great scrap and uh, hopefully a really good start to F1 2020. Absolutely. Well, hopefully Verstappen and Red Bull don't let you down. I think they are the key the key factor to it being a, 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 a multi-team scrap for victory. But, uh, but there we go. Well, Luke, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Have a good night. Thank you very much. Lovely. Well, yes, thanks again to Luke for coming on the show and thanks to everybody for listening. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you again that as of this week, Also Sport magazine is back on the shelves after a short break due to the pandemic. It's available in supermarkets and in newsagents. There'll be a new issue for you to pick up every Thursday, which will be packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.